Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Daily Bread. Big show today, lots to talk about. We've had a bit of a crazy last week and a half or so since I lasted a solo episode. I did my first interview with uh, the founder or one of the founders of Unsheath, uh, Altair. I hope you guys enjoyed that one. It was my first interview I'd done in a while since the last one was with Hal Press back in, was that October? October, November last year. So it'd been like six months or something. And uh, I was a little, I was a little rusty. I was a little, ru- I'll be honest with you. I was a little rusty. I kind of, I edited it out. So you guys probably didn't really notice, but uh, there were like two times in it where I kind of, one time I, I just didn't know what question to ask. Cause you know, when I do these interviews, Back when the show was like an interview show before I started just doing solo episodes, it was like I prepare all these questions and do all this research and all that. Um, And normally I have like a week or two heads up before we do the interview. In this case, it was literally the next day. It was like that afternoon. I think it was a Thursday afternoon. It was like, hey, do you want to do this? And I was like, yeah, yeah, let's do it. And then it was recorded on Friday. So I didn't have much time to prep. Um, but besides that, I just hadn't done it in like six months. And a lot of times, you know, you prepare questions, but I'm not one of those. I don't like doing like a super, super rigid podcast. I like doing it a little more free flowing and conversational, but it depends on the guest too. Cause some guests are a little better at like having more conversation and some are a little more like, you know, just, short answers and all that. Altair was good. Altair was not one of those guests who was like hard to interview. Um, but I, I was untrained and unpracticed in, I got like out of order on my questions just based on the flow of conversation. And then I like, I just missed, I messed up and I lost my track of where my questions were. And anyways, it's okay. It wasn't too bad. I'm, I'm very self-critical when it comes to interviews. I don't like any dead air and I don't like any, um, like kind of awkward pauses or anything like that, which it happens. It's hard to avoid, you know, if you've ever even just on like a normal, like, you know, Zoom meeting call, you know, you get these like awkward silence pauses sometimes. I try to avoid those. But anyways, it was a good interview. Uh, He actually, you know, he caught me off guard because in the beginning, he mentioned that they're working on an L2. And I did not know that. And I don't, know if that was public information or if he released that i talked to other people and no one really knew about it except for people who were very close with the team um so i think that was some alpha but them launching their their l2 based on staked ethereum uh but it was good talking to him he kind of validated a lot of my lsd5 thoughts that i've given on the show in the in the past as to why the narrative makes sense and why staked eth probably becomes you know, 80, 90% of the uh, the ETH supply at some point. So that was a good interview. Go check that out if you haven't uh, yet. But anyways, today I wanted to talk about, uh, I mainly wanted to talk about like AI and narratives in general, because if you guys recall, if you, if you were listening back in December, I did a full episode that was essentially called like, uh, how to identify the next crypto narrative or something like that. Um, and it was essentially my my thought process and thesis for, okay, if you're going to try to identify the next crypto narratives, what are the criteria and, and you know, fundamental building blocks of a, of a good narrative? And 
the narrative I used was AI in, in that. And I gave my breakdown of why I thought back in December before this whole AI crazy run has happened, uh, why I thought AI would be one of the next big narratives. And that's kind of proven to be true. And I think we'll continue to be true over the next like two years, frankly, I don't think it's going anywhere. Um, but it's it's funny because I wanted to reflect a little on that and kind of give more updated thoughts and then also discuss the overall market and where I think so many people are just thinking about the market wrong still. Uh, and, and it's like, uh, I'm not trying to be a dick, but it's like, I, sometimes I'm just like, I don't think most people get it. Um, and we'll get into that. We'll get into that. But, but um Anyways, I hope you guys had a good week. It's been a little choppy, or not a little, it's been very choppy. Um, it's been extreme PvP. I've been not trading majors at all, only on chain. Doing all right. You know, we get, I mean, uh, I, I was saying in the Discord, I was saying in the Daily Bread Discord, you can join if you would like to. Um, shoot me a DM on Twitter. I'm, I'm in, I'm not in home run mode. Okay, you know, everyone, it always feels good to, to swing and take huge bets and all this on, on, on big multiples, but this just isn't the market to do that. Like, yeah, there, there's going to be some chances here and there maybe to get those, but for the most part, this is like the single and doubles market. This is the, I'm just trying to you know, chip away here and there, what money I can make. And, and, and you see it in like the charts and in the movement of a lot of these coins where it's like, it's you have the coin of the day or the or the coin of two days and it's hot and it's going up a lot and then it's over and it retraces most of the move because everybody's getting out and every time i'm like significantly in profit on something and i'm thinking um i should let this ride i should i should i should see if i can pull multiples on this i just have to like remind myself i just have to pound in my head like i just say like pvp 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 like all day long like you're in pvp you're in pvp and it, it, it helps me to just take profit be disciplined take profit cut losers quick i'm not riding losers i'm not trying to it, basically in the last two months my biggest losses have been coins that i liked that were going against me and i said no i'm gonna let it ride that pretty much has not worked at all and coins that I was up nicely on, and I said, no, no, I'm gonna let it ride to profit side. I'm gonna try to get, get more profit out of this, and then you end up round tripping. So I realized kind of, and this is why it's good to, you know, keep a, a trading journal or at least a log. I don't really, I don't journal that much in terms of like writing out thoughts on trades. I'll write quick notes here and there, but I like to keep a log of all my trades, and it's it's good to reflect back over, you know, say a month and say, okay. All my uh, like if you if you look and say it, it's always good to think what are the the habits that I could make small tweaks in and and drastically change my PL. And I it was extremely obvious that over the last month and a half that if I just never tried to let something ride for multiples and just you know as soon as it hit a target I was going for as soon as uh you know even even just basic things you could just say I'm up 50% I'm selling I'm double my money I'm selling right just basic shit like that or if you have like you know a certain target because sometimes it's like oh my target was like on LBR for example is a good one LBR had a great run my target was a dollar fifty to two dollars and uh, I sold initially but then I thought oh let me get back in because maybe this keeps running. And then I did with a smaller amount and then it started going against me. And I was just like, no, 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 no. Cut. You you had your plan. You rode this thing up to two bucks. 
get out. Don't try to keep squeezing the juice out of that. Um, and that was the right decision because then it just chopped and consolidated for the next few days. Uh, but like just just being extremely relentless about profit taking and cutting losers and not letting things ride. Because I, I looked over my PL over the last month and I was like, I would be significantly more profitable if I just said, I don't care if this thing keeps running after I sell, I'm locking in my profit. And the second a coin turns against me and I don't think it has that momentum to, to keep going, I'm out. I'm not riding anything. Basically, let it ride is not the environment we're in right now. We are in the ruthless discipline market right now. Um, and it's tough because obviously, you know, uh, not making big money, but making little little wins here and there. And that's okay. You know, we we, we take the little, the little wins here and there because they do add up over time and then they give us more of a capital base to play with when the uh, when the time is right and then we can deploy more capital get more multiples so that's 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 really the trading more and that's been the case for the last couple of months and I've talked about that so I don't really have a whole lot of update as far as how uh, I've been trading and I think that's just going to continue frankly I hate to say it, but, you know, probably for a good while here because uh, Bitcoin and ETH don't look super hot. If anything, they look like they may lose um, the range they're in. They're at the range lows now, so we'll see if we hold. I don't want to overreact, but Bitcoin looks particularly weak, and we have the uh, we still have the government selling looming, which I think is freaking a lot of people out. Um, yeah, so anyways, those are my thoughts on, on, on the market right now. Didn't have a whole lot to say about that, but I wanted to talk a little bit about um, narratives and the market going forward, like a little bigger picture over the next like year plus. As we, as we get kind of more and more, I think, close to the other side of the bear market, right? In my opinion, I think we are closer to being back to the bull than we are from the top at this point, right? I think probably Q4 this year, Q1 next year will be like the early stages of the next bull market and when you want to be really uh, accumulating. I've said that a bunch and I kind of still think that. So what that means is obviously we're still in May. So probably months more of chop and not a very fun market. So capital preservation and then getting the little wins you can get here and there uh, is the name of the game right now. But as far as narratives go, there's kind of, two main things I wanted to talk about um, with the AI narrative. One is the AI narrative itself and why I think even I underestimated it um, coming into the year. Even though I did talk about it in December, I didn't um, appreciate it enough uh, in the way I do now and the way I think it's going to continue, not just for crypto, but for all uh, you know markets, especially equities uh, going into, maybe not all markets, but equity markets going into the next year. Um, and then two, the the risk appetite and the narrative appetite that is clearly there in markets across the board, uh, despite how choppy and difficult it has been to trade uh, over the last you know few months. So the AI narrative in crypto now, uh, what I said in December and what I still believe today is that. It is the single best exposure for smaller to medium-sized players looking for multiples on their returns that there will be for AI. Because if you look at who the big AI players are, 
it's who? It's obviously NVIDIA, which had their crazy day uh, after hours. And I want to talk a little bit more about that in a second. Uh, but you have NVIDIA, who's a GPU uh, maker, which you need to train all these models. So that's why they went up so much. Uh, you have obviously Google with their Bard and their their DeepMind and all that. You've got uh, Microsoft who made a like semi acquisition of OpenAI. I forget the deal was a little complex. They own like half of OpenAI or something like that. Now I forget exactly, but they they, they basically are the ones uh, now funding OpenAI. Um, so you have Microsoft and Google. Then obviously you know you have. Uh, Facebook Meta doing their own thing. You're gonna have Apple doing their own thing. You're gonna have all these big tech companies, right? All, all the big tech companies we know uh, doing their their AI thing. But the problem is, you know, these are all huge companies, right? I mean, these are all trillion or multi hundred billion dollar companies. So, like, the types of multiples that you can expect on these over the next two years is is not that high if um, you're looking to get that AI exposure. Plus, a lot of these companies are vast, you know, like a Google, like an Apple, right? They have many business units within these companies. So it's not like AI is the singular thing they're doing. And so maybe they could succeed on AI, but fail in other places. And so you have other business unit risk there. Um, and you have, you know, just other forces that, that affect that it, they aren't like pure AI plays. I don't think there's that many pure AI plays. I think you would probably argue Google would be more of a pure AI play, seeing that AI kind of goes into everything they do, right? All their algorithms, all their ad sales, everything is like related to AI. Um, but like Microsoft, for example, Microsoft's a huge company. They have a huge suite of products, right? AI is just one little basket of that. It will, I think, grow to be a much bigger basket of the company, but it's just one slice of it right now. Apple, same thing. Obviously, Apple is like the biggest company in the world by market cap. And, uh, you know, it, AI specifically may, may or may not be the biggest thing going for them. So the point is that with all these companies, they have many different reasons to, to go up or down that aren't just AI. Whereas with crypto, and also they're huge, right? They're huge companies already. With crypto, you have specific AI coins. You have coins that are specifically just AI focused and doing whatever thing that they happen to be doing, whether it be like a render, uh, which is doing their shared GPU thing, or you have uh, FET, Fetch, which is former DeepMind uh, team people who, who made the FET protocol, right? You have, you have all these different protocols, Ajax, all these um, that are AI specific. And the narrative is going to be very easy to attach onto them because they are pure play AI. They're not a mixed basket that also includes some AI, which we're going to see a lot of, right? We're going to see just in the same way you saw a ton of companies get involved with like Web3 and whatever or Metaverse and all of this. And everybody was trying to, to add these narrative uh, plays onto their stocks or coins. You're going to see that with AI as well over the coming year. You already are seeing that, but you're going to see that a lot more. The thing is that crypto is the single best opportunity for people looking at uh, smaller to mid cap exposure to AI because all the all the startups in 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 AI are all 
private. You're not going to be able to get into that if you're if you're a typical inve- a retail investor. Uh, and like I said, all these companies are huge. So the pure play AI is going to be in crypto, and and I think you're going to see a ton of different AI plays pop up in addition to what already exists. Uh, so that was like the very basic thesis back in December that I gave. The more uh, kind of, I don't know what you're going to call it, high level, whatever thesis is crypto will probably be the currency of AI agents in the future. And what do I mean by that? I, I did a little experiment uh, with, with a friend and we asked, I posted this like like a month ago or something. I asked G, uh, chat GPT, I said, if an AI was going to use, or I, I forget, if an AI was going to uh, transact with another AI, how would it do it? And it the answer it gave, I'll, I'll put it on the screen, but the answer it gave was literally, it said, we would use smart contracts, we would use cryptocurrencies, and we would use uh, something else, I forget. But it was all, all three were, literally crypto like the answer was oh ais will obviously use crypto right because ais can't kyc ais can't ais can't set up their own bank accounts right ais can't what are they gonna wire transfer money across each other no when you have independent ai agents that are going to be operating in the world in the future doing different things doing different tasks whatever they may be they may be trading algorithms which already we have plenty of they may be doing other independent tasks they're going to need to communicate with each other they're going to need a medium medium of exchange with each other and they're going to need some form of store of value right what are they going to use they're going to use fiat currency with bank accounts this just that that doesn't even work just for the legal reasons as i mentioned but on top of that the impracticality of that technology just not fitting with ai whereas an ai can spin up a wallet a smart contract whatever in seconds and start interacting on chain with other ais and other people right and I think that if you actually believe in this AI future, which I think is is quite obvious, we don't know how it will shape out, we don't know what it will look like, but I think it's becoming more and more obvious that uh, AI agents are going to play a significant role in the future, especially in economically. Well, then it's it suffice to say that crypto will play a role in AI medium of exchange right in AI's store of value in and how AI's uh, interact economically right in the in the market of AI's they are going to be at the cryptocurrency market right does that make sense um, it's 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 a little hard to imagine now because it doesn't exist yet right but you have to imagine you know, years down the road, when you have AIs doing things, because because we right now we kind of think of AIs as assisting people, and right now that's their primary pur- purpose, and that's the main thing that's going to change uh, the economy will be the efficiency that people will have with AI assistant assistance. But the next level, and we're already seeing it. It's it's happening so fast that people can't even keep up. It's 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 and 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 that's kind of the nature of of new nascent technology. 
but you're going to have independent AI agents that people deploy, companies deploy, whoever, governments deploy to do tasks on their behalf. And these AI agents are going to need to go out in the world and interact with other AI agents and people. And very often they're going to need to do so in an economic way and exchange value with each other. And what I'm saying is I think that value that is going to be exchanged is going to be via crypto, right? They're going to be dis deploying their own smart contracts to do certain things. They're going to be spinning up their own wallets to do whatever, right? That's what they're going to do. And if you think about it like that, that is a new narrative that has not existed in crypto previously that very much will over the next couple years of cryptocurrency is the currency of AI. And I think that may just be the narrative that truly propels AI, or I'm sorry, crypto into the next uh, dimension, whatever you want to call it, right? Because if you look at past cycles and past big narratives, um, I think a good corollary is kind of like the the government narrative, right? Remember in the last bull market where you had El Salvador adopt Bitcoin, but one of the big narratives around Bitcoin and crypto in general was, well, in the US and you know Europe and maybe some in China, like the big, big powerful countries who have a lot of control over their, their currency, uh, it may not be, it, it may be a while until until Bitcoin or whatever replaces the dollar, right? Like this is kind of like the, the thesis, but in, all these other countries in the Argentinas, the Venezuelas, the in Africa, in Southeast Asia, they actively are using crypto and as individuals, and we will soon see governments adopting cryptocurrencies because it's to their own benefit. You know, you look at I think Argentina is actually a good example of this recently. Argentina's currency is spiraling out of control again, and on the ground in Argentina. Um, they use crypto to transact with each other, right? A lot of people get their salaries in crypto. A lot of people, they pay for goods and services in crypto in, in Argentina now. Um, and, and that's been like one of the, the, the thesis for, for crypto for a long time was this like, okay, smaller, poorer countries are going to start. It was going to be like a bottom-up approach, right? Smaller, poorer countries with less stable currencies are going to, and I don't mean poor like in a derogatory, I just mean like, you know, obviously, Argentina is not wealthy like the United States. Um, it's going to be bottom up in terms of they need it more than us. You know, they in other countries, we have more of the unbanked, quote unquote. We have more of the unstable currencies. Um, we have much more hyperinflation. You know, we complain about inflation here when it's like 6%. In these countries, you know, you have 100%, 200%, 300% inflation or more, right? Even look at Turkey uh, very recently, too. So this is a real problem that crypto can come in and solve. And that is one of the long-term macro thesis around crypto. I think crypto being the currency of AI will be one of the next big, big narratives that will push crypto to the next level over the coming years. Um, and it actually makes sense. And I think it's actually true. You know, this is when you get into your kind of cyber, cyberpunk, whatever type of future where you have AI agents interacting with each other using cryptocurrencies and, and all of this. Um, I think that's the future we're heading to. Now, will it happen in the next two years? I don't know. 
will it happen in the next decade? I think so. Um, but does that matter? Not for the narrative. And this is the second part I wanted to talk about was the narrative side. Um, but let me let me get it before I get into that. Does that make sense? I'm kind of like just I'm just I'm just kind of cooking right now. I'm just kind of going off the dome, okay? So maybe I I sound total schizo rambling, but that that's that's like that is that is where I think we are going. That is why I think the AI narrative around crypto will be bigger than we can possibly imagine. And it will be a rising tide that lifts all crypto boats, uh, but especially AI related crypto, but all, all crypto. I mean, you know, I think it'll help Ethereum. I think it'll help everything in crypto. Maybe it'll help Bitcoin too. I think it'll help Ethereum, especially because of the smart contract aspect. Um, so that's, that's why AI I think will be so big. You have the zero IQ of like simple thesis that I gave in December, which is like, okay, you know, it's good AI exposure. The AI narrative is going to be big. Uh, you know, wh the average DGen, are they going to buy Apple stock? Are they going to buy Google stock, Nvidia stock? I mean, yeah, these things go up a lot, but nah, they're going to buy crypto, right? Because you can get 100x in crypto. You're not going to get 100x on Google, right? So that was like the zero IQ simple part. And the, uh, the, the, the 200 IQ schizo ramble part is like, no, no, you don't understand. These AI agents are going to interact with each other using crypto. And AI is going to be, or sorry, crypto is going to be the currency of AI. Um, so that's, 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 those are my thoughts on, on where we're headed with this whole AI narrative. This is not a blow off top. This is like just the beginning. This is the first wave of many to come of, of the AI narrative, in my opinion. Next, I want to talk about narratives overall. Because there's a lot of like pessimists and macro doomers and all these people who, first of all, they've just been consistently wrong for like, I don't even know over a decade now, really, um, about everything macro. You know, for the last decade, in the biggest bull market in the history of man, they were bearish the whole way up, saying this money printing isn't sustainable, zero interest rates aren't sustainable, blah, 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 blah. And it was like, yeah, they were kind of right. Of course, everybody knows, like, yeah, you can't have zero interest rate and infinite money printing forever. All right, yeah, 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 we get it. But in the meantime, the everything's going to go up a lot. Okay, the market is going to have its biggest decade ever. Okay, and they missed it. And then, you know, in the last two years, last year and a half, right, market topped at the end of 2021, in 2022, and so far in 2023, they've been banging the drum of recession, re biggest recession ever. This is going to be the second Great Depression and blah, 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 all this crap. And it's like unemployment hasn't really budged. We've had the lowest unemployment in like 40, 50 years in America and it hasn't budged. It's gone up a smidge, a smidge, okay? When they were saying, oh, we're gonna see over 10% unemployment, we're gonna see a housing market collapse, housing prices are going up, people can't afford homes, okay? Which is a different problem, but, but they were predicting a, a housing market collapse, mass unemployment, mass hyperinflation. We did get the hyperinflation for a bit, 
But they were saying, it's not going to stop. It's going to keep going. They're going to have to raise interest rates to, to 10% to stop this. I mean, they're saying this crap. And the reality is, uh, economy is stronger than people think. And, you know, you saw a lot of these same people really upset with the NVIDIA pump that happened, saying this isn't fundamentals-based. You know, the, the NVIDIA shouldn't be worth like $700 billion, whatever it is now after this move. It, the earnings don't match that. And it's like, this is what I mean when I say they don't get it. These macro doomer, whoever the fuck losers, they don't get it. And they're just wrong all the time. And the uh, the other people who don't get it is the people who say, oh, the last bull cycle that we just had, especially in crypto, is the is the biggest bull cycle we'll ever see. That was like the the generational lifetime biggest bull market, craziest thing we've ever seen, right? We'll we'll go up again at some point, but like we're never like that again, right? That that's what they say. You missed your chance. Hmm. Eh, we'll see. You know, I I think they're dead fucking wrong, because I think that, and this kind of goes back to the AI thing. Um, and how I'm kind of all bringing this together is that you have this new breakthrough technology that is create, you know, you know, the business cycle, forget the market cycle, business cycles are powered by breakthrough innovation. And if you look at the last, whatever, 40, 50, maybe even longer years of the, of the, of the market, You've had multiple breakthrough innovations. You know, you had the 60s, 70s, probably going to 80s. You had the the beginning of the computer age. You had the beginning of the digital age, right? You had the beginnings of Apple. You had the personal computer. You had Microsoft come up, right? You had all these things in like the 70s and 80s. And then in the 90s, you had the beginnings of the internet. You had the AOLs, the, uh, you know, the dot-com bubble with everything that went crazy in the late 90s. You had break, breakthrough innovations. Then in the in the two thousands, you had the the Web two era. You had the social media explosion, right? I mean, it, it's hard to imagine a world without social media now because it's all consuming. But you know, just not a decade, but fifteen years ago, you know, nobody was really using social media. You had like MySpace, right? You had Friendster, and now you know Facebook and Instagram and Twitter. It's like we have basically. Everyone in the modern world with an internet connection is is using social media now. And so you have these waves of breakthrough innovations. And we hadn't necessarily had one in the last decade besides crypto, right? But crypto was unique in that it was kind of its own new market uh, because of the nature of cryptocurrency. It was innovating on currency um, and medium of exchange store of value technology, which hadn't been innovated on in a long time. Um, so it was kind of its own unique like side bubble. But in, in the traditional tech, you hadn't really had a breakthrough innovation in the last decade or so, probably since uh, the smartphone, since the iPhone in 2000, what was it, 2008, 2007, which kind of coincided with the social media boom, right? So you had like the, the mobile boom and the social media boom kind of all happen over the last decade, but we haven't really had much innovation since then, breakthrough-wise. And now AI is here. AI has been talked about forever, um, 
but it's finally really happening in a real way where people tangibly are saying, wow, this is like actually changing things. This is actually impressive. This isn't like some gimmick. It's actually getting really good and it's getting really good really fast and it's only gonna get better to where people are like, man, in five years, I can't even imagine what kind of AI tools and, and things we're going to have. And so this is the next breakthrough that is going to drive the next tech productivity boom. This is what we've been waiting for, right? Tech is inherently deflationary, right? Productivity and efficiency creates deflation. This is the deflation that we needed to get us out of this hyperinflation regime that we've been in for the last few years. And I think a lot of these macro guys, they really just miss the forest for the trees. And and this is and in crypto, you see this with like the doomers of, oh, we'll never see another bull market like that. Because they say, oh, well, you had this crazy unique thing where you had COVID, which was like this global pandemic that shut the world down and they printed all this money. We went to zero interest rates. Well, we already had zero interest rates, but then you added this like crazy money printing and you had the biggest bubble, you had stimulus checks, you had all this, right? We know, we know the story. All this happened at once and it kind of all coincided and created the biggest bubble we've ever seen. And I, I agree, it was the biggest bubble we've ever seen. But their, their, their thesis, their, their viewpoint is that we are not going to see another bubble like that. That money printing has to stop and that interest rates need to stay super elevated. That part I probably don't disagree with. I don't think we're gonna go back to zero. I think we probably go back to like three. I think that's probably a reasonable settling out point, but that's, that's not the point. That we're gonna stop printing money um, and that we're gonna enter this like stagnation and that we had a bunch of vaporware tech that was pumped to, a, to the moon and now is gonna go to zero. And I think they're wrong. I think they're wrong because I think a lot of people in crypto get very cynical and think that everything's vaporware and sure there's plenty of vaporware. But I, I, I'm still, you know, I'm still a, a believer in, in the core tech, right? I'm still a believer that smart contracts are like an incredible innovation, you know? I'm still a believer in that, you know, even blockchain itself, right? We Blockchain has become like a cliche because it's been around for a while, but like, we're still early, you know, and 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 I think Nvidia is a great example of what I mean when we're, I say we're still early. Nvidia, after hours, after hours, grew more than Ethereum's entire market cap overnight, right? It went up over two hundred billion dollars in market cap overnight. You don't think that we're still early? You don't think that the entire crypto market cap being worth just about a trillion, which is like less than half of Apple, what's Apple trading at right now? Like about two and a half trillion-ish, just about. Crypto is, all of crypto, Bitcoin, Ethereum, every single chain, every single DeFi product, every single dApp, everything combined is worth less than half of Apple. And that might not necessarily be wrong, right? Because obviously Apple is a huge company that makes a ton of money, has a ton of cash flow, has a ton of real users that use all their products, right? And crypto doesn't necessarily have that yet, but it will. 
And maybe a lot of those users will be AI agents, uh, not just people, which I think is a, a factor that a lot of people haven't thought about. But this idea that that was the biggest bubble we're ever going to have, I think is just dead wrong. You think we're going to stop printing money? How do you think we're going to pay for all this debt? You know, we have the debt ceiling coming up next week. Whatever happens, you know, they're going to raise it, of course. If it ends up coming to the deadline or past it, whatever, they're going to raise it, of course. They're not going to default. They can't. How do you think they're going to pay for all that debt? You think they're just going to, like, cut spending? That's a good joke. You think they're going to they're gonna raise more taxes? You can only do that to a certain extent. There's a million studies on how you can only raise taxes so much because even if you raise taxes to like 70%, you still end up with the same tax revenue because of all these different reasons. No, they're going to have to print their way out of it, okay? That is the only answer, right? Now, how does this all end in 20 years? I don't know, man. I don't know. But what I do know is that right now, they're going to print money. They're gonna, they're gonna, we've already seen it with the banks. They already capitulated immediately. Immediately, the second there was a little weakness in banks, they capitulated that fast, without hesitation, okay? They're gonna have to print more money. They just can't do it right now because they're trying to get inflation down. But by their saving grace, one of the potentially biggest deflationary forces we've seen in our lives has just come onto the market, and that is AI. And the the productivity and efficiency boost we're going to see from AI that leads to deflation is going to be like something we haven't seen probably since the beginning of the internet, right? Uh, or I should say the proliferation of the internet. And so you have this giant deflationary force that's going to come in that's going to allow them to print more money. You have... A technology that may inherently be intertwined in crypto in a way that people don't really realize yet that isn't quite obvious but in hindsight will be you know i can't wait for two or three years from now when this narrative reaches its crescendo and we have the ai crypto market bubble top right we're gonna have our own dot-com bubble 2.0 with ai I'm telling you that right now. That is extremely obvious. Every single VC and big player in the world is completely laser focused on AI as an investment uh, category. And it's something that is going to affect everything that we do. It is something that is going to affect every government in the world, every person in the world, every company in the world. There is not a, a part of this world that will not be affected by AI. And crypto very may well be at the center of that, or at least adjacent. And so the point is that I think we're going to see the biggest, I, th I think we are going to see, I, I think we are going to see the biggest bubble we have ever seen. Like we can't imagine how ridiculous it's going to get. You know, we, and, th and this is kind of like, uh, like the idea that people have this idea that things can't get crazier, that things have already gotten so crazy. It's got to call, it can't get crazier than this. No, no, it is only 
going to get more and more insane. Like, I don't think we can wrap our minds around how crazy things are going to get culturally, economically, market bubble-wise. It is going to get crazy. We are entering into this, like post-irony nihilistic world where nothing matters it's all narrative fuck fundamentals no one cares right it's going to be all what's the story what's the narrative there's so much money being pumped out of thin air into these markets who cares about fundamentals ai is going to be the biggest narrative play that we've ever seen and it's not even going to be close it's not even going to be close i don't think people get it yet and, and, and again, I kind of probably sound like a crazy person right now, but if I were to tell you a few years ago in, in 2018, 19, how crazy 2021 was going to get, that we would have pictures of monkeys selling for millions of dollars, you would have called me crazy, but we got there, right? And what I'm telling you is this next bubble is going to be even crazier. You know, we have this like Zoomer generation of people who like don't even care about anything anymore. They are like nihilism to the max, okay? Which again, I don't want to make it sound like this is a good thing necessarily. I'm not giving my, you know, I could have a different conversation about, you know, the moralistic and uh, cultural ramifications of all of this that's going to happen. But that's not what I'm talking about. That's not what we're here for. This is daily bread, okay? We're here to get bread, okay? I'm not here to talk about the moral quandaries of, of AI and what it's going to do to humanity. I'm telling you that it's going to create the biggest bubble we've ever seen. You know, you have the Zoomer generation that's like totally checked out. Like these guys are entering the workforce and they, they, I mean, these, imagine a generation that right now is like using ChatGPT to cheat on all their tests and write all their essays for them. And then they're going to enter the workforce and think everything is fake. Nothing is real. The richest people I know, if you're a Zoomer, are like people who make money in e-com or got rich in crypto, okay, or made a bunch of money sports betting, right? Like these are the people who, if you're 22, like, you know, who have money okay, that aren't like boomers. You can't afford a house. You can't afford, uh, you know, inflation is, is, is killing you. Wages are going down versus versus assets. You're, you're not able to afford anything. You're like, fuck it, I'm just gonna hyper gamble. And where are you gonna hyper gamble? Well, you're gonna hyper gamble in the, the greatest market on earth, which is cryptocurrency. The only place where you could put a thousand bucks in and get a million dollars out. And it's actually not that unreasonable of a thing because it's happened many, many times, you know? And we are going to enter this like schizo hyper reality where nothing means anything because humans are being replaced by AI and money printing is going to be insane and things are only going to get crazier culturally. It's, it's truly going to be something I don't think we can wrap our minds around. And I didn't mean to get into this whole like ramble rant, but... Am I wrong? Like when you think about it, how many times have you thought of the last decade, things can't get crazier than this and then they did and then they did and then they did, right? And when it comes to markets, this facade of 
fundamentals mattering in a infinite money printing world is going away every single day. And NVIDIA is just the, the latest example of it, but it is going to continue to happen over and over and over again. And in a couple of years, I mean, we already see it with crypto. I think the thing that's interesting about crypto is that we are past the fundamentals threshold. Now, that doesn't mean that there aren't structural things that matter, right? There are If you have certain fundamentals that lead to structural buying and all this stuff, that's, that's important. But, you know, look at like Pepe, right? It went from zero to a billion, to two billion market cap in like three weeks. Three weeks. You know, Sheeb was the last one to do that and it took you like over a year to get to a billion. You know, Doge took multiple years, right? And that was the last bull market and that was in a bull market, right? Pepe did this in a bear chop city market. In a market that's brutal in PVP, we had a coin go from zero to a, over a billion. Two billion in like three weeks. We've never seen anything like it. And my point is that people will, will look at like Pepe and NVIDIA and all these things and think and, and like not realize what's coming and that it's only going to get crazier and more insane. It's And this is what I mean back to the beginning of the show when I said it's like people just don't get it. They don't get it. And I don't know what they need to see to fucking get it. And maybe, and maybe they just won't. Maybe they just will never get it. Maybe they just can't wrap their minds around a post-rational world. Because that's what we live in. We live in a post-rational world. And this was kind of always going to be the conclusion. You know, what happens at the end of the bubble of all bubbles? I don't know. I don't know. But all I know is that for the next few years, we are going to have the biggest bubble we've ever seen. Any rule you think should apply, oh, this doesn't make sense, oh, it shouldn't be this way, oh, that can't be, erase that from your mind. It is very hard, it is very hard to do, but as a trader, your job is not to say how the world should be, how the world ought to be. You, your job is to recognize the world as it is, to recognize the market as it is, and to react accordingly. And what I'm saying is the way that you will need to react accordingly in the next few years is to accept the insanity. You need to accept the insanity into your life. That's the point. You need to accept the, the, the craziness, the insanity, the fact that nothing makes sense into your life and that is how you will make generational wealth. If you want to make it, you're gonna have to be a little crazy. You're gonna have to do things that the average person is gonna think you're fucking insane for, right? That's the only way you're gonna make it. And normies and average people, they're, they're not gonna make it. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I don't know what to do. I wish it wasn't this way. But again, my job is not to say this is how things ought to be. My thing is to, is to have a very clear understanding of how things are and how to make a profit from them in a market perspective. So that's, that's what I wanted to say. That was like, man, that was like, we're like 
almost an hour, we're like 45, 50 minutes into a schizo ramble. That's what I got to say. I think you guys get it. Uh, I didn't, listen, I didn't, listen. Did I cook? Did I, I don't know. Maybe I either, I either had the, I either chefed it up. That was either the best cook you've ever heard in your life. Or that was complete schizo ramble and you should make fun of me. I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see in a couple of years if I'm right. We'll come back to this. But I was right in December about AI. You can go back in December. I was right. You can go to that video. You can go to that video. That's what I got for it. Man, I don't even know where to go from here. Um, should I wrap it up? Um, anything else happening? Twitter? Uh, NFT liquidation with Miladies, very funny. The blur lend, I talked about that on the on the last solo episode, and uh, within within like three weeks, there is already a liquidation cascade on NFTs. Very Milady, extremely Milady thing to do. Um, what is going on on Twitter? Oh, roll bit. Yeah. Hey, let me say. Okay, we'll end on this because. Do I? I'm going to say it. I don't care. I already tweeted it. Who cares? Um, you know, this roll bit shit. I don't... Okay. I tweeted that Gainsey is a complete rat. Uh, because he is. Um, I don't I don't care about the roll bit shilling. Let me go back for a second, if just to clarify, if you're not familiar with what I'm talking about. Um, there's, there's all these big influencers getting these big roll bit deals, and roll bit is like basically a, a casino that pretends to be an exchange, right? And that's fine. I don't really care about that. Like, okay, you know, make it's it's just it's just you know a casino. I don't care. But um, Gainsey was like lying through his teeth about his promo deals. He was lying through his teeth about uh, how roll bit worked. He he was just completely lying through his teeth so that he could make money, like he always does, because he has a history of these things, right? Gainsy is a guy who was a terrible trader that made a bunch of money on an ICO, and then he created this like fake trading bot that was total garbage and shielded to all his followers, and got this boost off the coattails of all the people around him who, like, you know, Kobe, and, and I'm not throwing shade on these people, okay, because this is years ago, so I'm not, I'm not trying to throw shade, I, I like the, I like Kobe, I don't have a problem with Kobe, but like Kobe prominently, and, and other people who kind of boosted him up, and, and Gainsey is a total LARP, he, he made a bunch of money scamming people, and then he took all that money in the biggest bull market in 2021, and turned it into a bunch, and now he's chilling, and hey, he made a bunch of money. Fine. I don't care. Listen, there's a lot of people who do a lot of shady things in crypto. That's part of the game. I'm not upset about that. I don't really care about that. But he has no class. You know, and the thing that triggered me is he called Marty. Marty is like, uh, I'll put the tweet on screen of what I'm referring to. But Marty is is one of the, Rush BTC on Twitter. He's he's one of the biggest option crypto options traders. Okay, this guy he, I don't, I don't want to blow up his spot. He's, he's a baller. Okay. Let's just put it that way. And you know, and he's like calling Gainsey out. He's like, listen, man, come on, just say Robit's kind of a scam. And it is what it is. Don't beat around the bush. You know what it is. Just quit lying. 
and Gainsey just like completely deflects, calls Marty stupid and poor, and does his classic Gainsey thing, his classic thin-skinned, I'm such a genius that I scammed people into being rich, and now I'm going to call everyone else stupid and poor, which is what he always does. And then he'll go, you know, he'll go around calling people stupid and poor. He'll go around talking about how he's such a genius and all this shit. When it's like, dude, you're a scammer, okay? And you're a liar and you're a little rat, okay? I mean, even just his appearance, he literally looks like a rat if you've seen him in real life. You know, he's like a little man. He's a little rat. He's like a 37-year-old lonely dude, okay? And, and, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. Again, I don't care about the roll bit promotion stuff it's like whatever man i don't i don't care about that it's that he's so classless you know could you imagine being someone who was bailed out by your rich crypto friends over and over until you finally made it and you had to scam people and do all this shady shit to make all this money and then you have the gall to go on and just call first of all other people who are rich marty is fucking mar dude speaking of nvidia marty made i I think he tweeted. I don't. Know, I don't want to say anything. Anyways, made a. The guy's got more money than Gainsey. Okay, let's just be very straight up. So the fact that Gainsey's going around calling anyone who's stupid and poor who calls him out for anything. And by the way, Gainsey will start shit with people, and then they'll reply back. He'll start it. He'll talk attack first. And then they'll reply and he'll block them. You know, he's such a thin-skinned little man, okay? It's so ridiculous. It's like, if you want to talk shit, talk shit. I love talking shit, okay? But if you're going to dish it, you got to take it. You can't be dishing it out all the time and then crying like a little fucking baby when someone comes back at you. You're such a loser. You're such a little rat, okay? And so I called him out and it's whatever. I just, I don't know. It, it's just, I, 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 it was just an in the moment thing. Cause I was like, fuck this guy. I've never said anything about Gainsey publicly. I always thought he was a little rat loser, but especially like the thing is he preys on new people who come into the space. Cause he's got all these followers and all this stuff. And he posts these giant P and L's that a lot of them are fake or they're not fake, but they're like boosted by Rollbit, Right. Cause they've, they fund his bankroll to make all these giant trades. So he doesn't care if he loses money and all this bullshit. And he's like an actual like real life degenerate, like not, oh, I'm a degen. No, he's like a real like loser degenerate in real life. Okay. And it's just like, dude, he's so classless. You know, the thing is, if you're going to, the and, and it's insecurity, it's insecurity because there's plenty of people who made a bunch of money in crypto from trading and most of them are pretty humble and pretty quiet. You got a few loudmouths here and there, but most of them are pretty humble and pretty quiet. And they, you know, when you make, make a bunch of money, you're not trying to advertise yourself all the time. Like his, 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 his God, his King Kobe is like the opposite, right? Kobe, it's no secret. He's one of the richest guys in crypto. He's totally humble and quiet about it. He's not out here flexing on people. He's not out here doing all this crazy shit, you know? In fact, to his own detriment, he he, he causes problems sometimes unintentionally um, when he's not trying to, like with his uh, fake hash thing that he tweeted like a month ago or whenever that was about the CZ thing. Um, it's just have some class, have some grace. Say, you know what? I made it. I'm set for life. Because, you know, I was fortunate enough to have, like, fucking friends who helped me in my times of need. And then I scammed a bunch of people to make a bunch of money on top of that. 
you know, I think I made it. I think I'm in a pretty good spot. I'm gonna shit my mouth, okay? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna enjoy my wealth gracefully, okay? I'm gonna be grateful for what I have. But instead, he has zero class. He's a complete grifter. He's a complete rat. And, and there's nothing more to say. Don't follow Gainsey. He's a complete LARP. He's an idiot. He's just gross. You know, he's just a gross person. And you can see it in his tweets. You know, he's just a gross guy. Imagine imagine being worth, you know, eight figures and like groveling on Twitter all day and lying through your teeth constantly and being such a little snake. You know, it's, it's just gross. It's classless. It's all I got to say. Anyways, that's the Twitter drama of the week. Um, anyways... That's all I got for you guys today. I've, I've, I've rambled enough, but uh, hope you guys enjoyed. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, be sure to follow me on all the stuff, Twitter, uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel, share if you enjoy. If you enjoy the schizo rambling, you know, share with friends. I appreciate you sharing, um, leave reviews, all that. Anyways, guys, thanks so much for listening or watching. I will see you next time.